Jesus paid it all. Amen. Amen. There's no greater news than that, that Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. As you all turn to the book of Jonah, I'll open us in a, a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, it is so good to learn the gospel through the book of Jonah. And I thank you that the book of Jonah is not ultimately about Jonah, and it's not ultimately about a fish, and it's not ultimately about the Ninevites, but it is about you. It's about your glory and your grace and your gospel. And we need it so desperately. We as your people need a word from you, O oh God. And I pray that your spirit would come upon your word and work a miracle in our hearts. Work a miracle of strengthening grace for your people. And help us, Lord, as we look to the book of Jonah, may we be encouraged because you are God and you are glorious and you are gracious. And I pray that you would send your word like arrows of truth into our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was coming across an article today, and the title of the article was The Man Who Raised the Dead. And it wasn't, you know, what you're thinking off the bat. So a guy named Kevin, he goes around to deep lakes, and apparently... There's a lot of dead bodies at the bottom of lakes. And so what he does is he excavates them and recovers the dead. And I remember going to Lake Tahoe, which is kind of in the Sierra Nevada range in the mountains in California, Nevada area. And we would do that every year. And we would drive up and it was a fun time. And I remember driving through the mountains and you could see Lake Tahoe. And it's just this vast lake. It's the largest alpine lake there is in California, Nevada. And so I would look at that lake and I remember hearing stories about how many, 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 you know, uh, bodies were buried beneath the sea. And it would always kind of creep me out a little bit. So I stumble across this article today and I see a man who has devoted his life to recovering these bodies in the water. And so ultimately, what he was doing reminded me of the book of Jonah. Because if you'll remember, what we left off with last week was we had Jonah in the water. And Jonah gets tossed off the water, into the water, and the men on the boat are saved, and Jonah is gasping for air, thinking he's about to enter a watery death, and there is absolutely no hope for him. And if you remember, our very last verse last week is the very first verse and only verse we're going to look at this week, and it's the verse that the book of Jonah is most famous for. It's the most controversial verse for some, but I'm going to argue we have a God who does supernatural things in the world. If you believe Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died a bloody death on a cross for sinners, 
rose up out of the tomb three days later, we have a miracle working God. That's what He does. He always does that. He's been doing it from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God has been doing it again and again and again. And we read verse 17. And what happens? Chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we're meant to see from that that this is a sign of the gospel. Jesus gives us a divine commentary on this verse. We don't have to guess what it means. Have you ever wondered when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, and he's talking to some disciples and they don't know who he is yet. They, they haven't been able to tell. He's walking with them and they tell him, have you heard of what's gone on? And they begin to kind of tell him, you know, that, that the events that had happened and that Jesus had been crucified. And finally, Jesus reveals himself to them as they have a meal and he begins to unfold through the whole Old Testament the prophets and the law, the word concerning himself. And it says that their hearts burned within them. Because why? Because Jesus was giving them an Old Testament Bible study and saying, it all points to me. It all points to what I did. And Jonah was swallowed up in the belly of a whale or a fish three days and three nights because God wanted to communicate in advance that he was going to do it with his son for the redemption of anybody who will call upon his name and they will be saved. That is the sign of Jonah to us. And it's the sign that it's so easy to sanitize. Don't sanitize Jonah and say, oh, well, that could never happen. God does it all the time. He raises people from spiritual death to spiritual life. What's that? A miracle. He takes somebody who is on the road to destruction and he gets a hold of their hearts and makes them brand new. And they begin to live for him the way that they were intended to live. That is what the book of Jonah is communicating to us. And today, what I want to do is I want to take a verse and I want to kind of like do microscope. We look at the verse and then we're going to broaden out and we're going to look at it like we're on top of Mount Everest and we're going to see the book of Jonah and we're going to learn the gospel through the book of Jonah. So that's the plan. And there are basically three points of the gospel in Jonah. Number one is that Jonah shows us a picture of our sin. Number two, Jonah shows us the grace of God. And the last point is that Jonah shows us a picture of the gospel. So point number one, Jonah shows us our sin. 
Turn to the first verse of the book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So in the very first verse, we see that God has ordained his prophet to come to Nineveh for the very purpose that he has noticed the great wickedness of this city. God is not lost on the wickedness going on in our world. And Nineveh was crying out, as it were, in its wickedness. It was smelling. It was stinking. Remember we said it was like stinking to high heaven. And God caught a whiff. And he said, I'm sending a prophet and my prophet will pronounce the judgment of God unless they repent. That was the message that Jonah was to take because they were wicked. And I was thinking about Billy Graham once said of America. He said, if God does not judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Billy didn't mince words. He didn't play around. He would just tell it like it is. And I want to tell us, when we think about the sin in our culture, in our land, we better not think, oh, well, this is Nineveh. It has nothing to do with us. We're Americans. We're, we're basically have Judeo-Christian roots. So God is not going to do any kind of judgment on our nation. But Billy reminded us that God will judge sin. That is the reality. That's what Jonah puts before us. So when we think of Jonah and we think of Nineveh, we need to be thinking of our own sin and our own culture and our own hearts before the living God. Jonah reminds us that we have a sin problem. Look at verse 3. But Jonah, instead, right, of going to Nineveh, Jonah rose up and fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he ran. So it's not just wicked Nineveh. It is Jonah, the believer, the religious prophet, who not only doesn't want to do what God said, but runs as far away as possible. And the lesson that Jonah teaches us about sin is it's not just wicked, horrible pagans out there. It is even believers whose sin comes up before God. It's even believers who run from God, who run from the call of God. Have you ever caught yourself and you realized, I'm running from God right now? Have you ever asked yourself, where in my life am I not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? That's a powerful question. Because Jesus, in discipleship, calls us to follow Him. And He doesn't say, follow me partway. He says, 
follow me with your whole life. You need to take up your cross and follow me. That's the imagery of be willing to die for him. That's like saying, take up the electric chair and follow me. Because being on a cross was being crucified. It was capital punishment. Be willing to go to the ends of the earth with the message of the gospel as a disciple of Jesus. That's what discipleship's all about. And Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. And sometimes if we're honest, we don't want to go to the world around us. We don't want to go even in our own families. We don't want to have that tense conversation. We don't want to have that difficult talk. But if you take a step of faith and you're willing to herald good news to somebody, you never know what God will do with that. And God took a disobedient prophet and got it done because that's what God does. He is gracious and merciful, even in light of our sinfulness. But the book of Jonah doesn't stop there. We see all through Jonah different types of sin. It's not just that he doesn't want to go. It's not just that he's on the run. It's not just that he's being a hypocrite. And he's saying, it's fine. You save Jews all day long. But as soon as you get a Gentile, as soon as you get a non-Jew, don't do it, Lord. They're not worth it. They're not worth your time and your effort. The Jews are what it's all about. And I've been around churches long enough to know that sometimes we got a little bit of a Jonah complex going on. And we just want our own little tight-knit group. And we do not want to take the name of Jesus to our city, to our lands, to our counties, to our workplace, to our families. And God would have us do it. That is essentially the lesson Jonah learns the hard way. And it's such a mercy to us to realize that we sometimes struggle with the very same things that the prophet does. Because oftentimes we, we read these stories and it's like, well, Jonah, you know, Jonah had some issues, so, but, but we've got some issues too. We, don't, we, we, we struggle too. It's where we're at sometimes. And, and, and we're, we're quiet. Sometimes our mouth gets stopped. And one thing I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, is that sometimes God will give you a rematch. Sometimes you're going to blow it. Sometimes you're going to not talk. Sometimes you're going to just miss the opportunity. But God will give you a rematch. I, if you pray and say, Lord, I blew that one. Give me another one. Give me another one. I want to, I want to share Jesus with people. He'll do it. And he'll give you a, meet, a rematch. Did he not give Jonah a rematch? Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. Saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it a message that I tell you. The rematch. And I'm going to tell you, it goes really well. In spite of Jonah. It goes really well. We'll get to it. But... God is in the business 
of helping us struggling believers who struggle with sin, who struggle sometimes even with self-righteousness, to step out of ourselves and meet the needs of those around us with the gospel, with the love of Jesus, with the kindness of God. And it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. So we go out with kindness in our hearts and love for the people around us. Unless we think, well, Jonah doesn't fully come to terms with it yet. Think of Jesus' words, because Jonah has a cold heart. He doesn't get it. He has to get swallowed by a fish, and he has to be in the belly of a fish three days and three nights. And we're going to look at the prayer next week that he has in that fish. But can you imagine? Imagine being in this fish, and it's hot, and it's nasty and putrid. And some accounts say that his skin probably got bleached white. So he looked like some kind of albino prophet up in there, just nasty, learning about the compassion of God and the heart of God towards Nineveh. And Jesus says to us, what are the first two commandments? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. This is the great and first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you want, you want to know how bad off Jonah is right now? You're to love God and to love your neighbor. Where did Jonah fail? Both of them. Because he runs from his God. And he dishonors his God. And he does not give thanks to his God. And he runs as far as possible. He doesn't love the Lord in that moment. And he surely doesn't love his neighbor. And brothers and sisters, and if you're even here visiting and you're not sure if you know Jesus, ultimately, that is God's design for our lives. That we would love him and that we would love others and we fail at that all the time because we don't do it perfectly that's why we need grace if you think that you can do that 24 7 it's going to be a very disappointing day and a disappointing week because ultimately we fall miserably short and if i asked how well are we doing loving our neighbor? How well are we doing loving God? Perhaps discouragement may flood our hearts. Perhaps we may feel a little bit condemned by that. But there's good news. Jonah's about to get a heavy dose of grace, and we need it too. But listen to the Apostle Paul's words about the state of anybody apart from Christ. This is our hearts. Romans chapter 3 says this. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged all 
both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Nobody does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And in their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. And probably the biggest indictment is there is no fear of God before their eyes. They don't fear God and they live like hell. And that is you and I, brothers, apart from Christ. That is you and I, sisters, apart from Christ. That is you and I without Jesus in the picture. And I've been thinking as we've been almost a year in this pandemic, and the pandemic's been hard, Many of us are frightened. Many of us have long-standing fears and they're not going away. But perhaps the fear that we need to have is regarding another pandemic. Because there is another pandemic. It's the pandemic of sin. It is a global pandemic. Every single person has been infected. And there's a one-to-one -one mortality rate. One out of one people will die because of their sin. That is a fact. That's a biblical fact. The wages of sin is death. And this pandemic has hit the world and there is no hope for anybody apart from the grace of God breaking into their lives. Do you feel that? Do you feel your need before a holy God? Do you feel that there's no hope for you in this life apart from Jesus Christ? There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That's the message of Jonah. We are all sinners. And we all need grace. Point number two. Jonah shows us a picture of of God's grace. Even the very first verse is grace saturated. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. That's grace. Grace for the Ninevites. Mercy to a wicked people who were so wicked that they make the Nazis look pale in comparison. And God is graciously sending a prophet. Mercy. Jonah runs away. Verse 4 says, God hurls a great wind on him. Mercy. Jonah gets on a boat full of pagan sailors. And the pagan sailors say, Hey guy, why don't you start praying and see if God helps? He even gets rebuked by sailors. Then... God is merciful. At the end of it all, he gets thrown into the sea. And it says the Lord appointed a fish to swallow up Jonah. Now, don't read that, brothers and sisters, that God is being hard on Jonah. 
Jonah's going to die in the waters of judgment and a fish comes and rescues him. What do you call that? Grace, mercy, kindness. And God will teach Jonah to pray in the belly of the fish. And Jonah will be changed. And don't think that Jonah had nothing to do with the penning of this book. Because how do we get all the first-hand accounts of what has gone on? Jonah knows very well the grace of God. And Jonah is giving us a heavy dose because you and I desperately need to know though no matter how deep you plunge into sin, no matter how far you go, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what the addiction is, no matter what the strife in is your family is going through, no matter how caught you are in the web of deception and lies, God's grace is greater than all your sin. And He sent somebody into the world to deal with it, if you will believe. Do you believe that? Do you long for that? Do you see that you need that kind of rescue? The book of Jonah is calling us to that. We need the book of Jonah so desperately. We need to see it and to feel it and to know that God's mercy towards us comes to us in a person and His name is Jesus Christ. And He was crucified for us. And it's all grace. Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain and what? He washed it white as snow. Grace. Mercy. Kindness. Even the fact that, look at just little ways. Jonah gets another chance to preach. Jonah gets spit up on dry land and doesn't end up stuck in the belly of a fish. Jonah realizes that Nineveh doesn't have any hope apart from his message. And that he's so reluctant because he knows God is leaning towards them with mercy. God is leaning. And by chapter 4, verse 2, he's upset, Jonah is, because he knew how gracious and merciful God really is. So lest you think that God is just wanting to lower the boom and annihilate humanity, please know that God is gracious towards sinners and has provided a way of escape. Which brings us to point number three. Jonah shows us a picture of the gospel. And I hope by now you're just longing to hear it. Like, just preach the gospel, brother. Because Jonah shows us the gospel in a powerful way. Verse 17, now think, Gospel. Now think Jesus when you read that verse. And the Lord appointed. God sovereignly in control. And He has appointed a means of salvation. A great fish to swallow up Jonah. 
and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That was not an accident. That was purposeful grace and planning and intentionality because God wanted to give a sign to the world and a sign to a crooked and adulterous generation that just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, so Jesus was buried in the heart of the earth. Just as Jonah preached repentance to Nineveh, so Jesus came preaching repentance to a people in need. For the people sitting in darkness need a great light. And the light has come and it's shining brightly. I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun. Because by it I see everything. C.S. Lewis once said. And how true it is. When Jesus gets a hold of your heart, you see everything new. You see everything clearly. You see everything the way it really is. You see you need a Redeemer. Oh, what a glorious message this is to us. Listen to Jesus' words Himself. In the warning, and this is in the context of warning the scribes and the Pharisees of the judgment that was coming. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38 says this. This is our divine commentary. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign shall be given to it except the prophet, the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, Jesus says that warning to the Pharisees and scribes two times in the book of Matthew. And when something's repeated in the Bible, you better pay attention to it because it's important. And ultimately, Jesus is wanting to say that there is judgment coming for anybody who rejects him as Lord. He is the merciful Savior coming. But when you reject him, you are left to your sin and your condemnation before a holy God. And so he's saying the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment and call to count against you to the scribes and Pharisees and even to us. The men of Nineveh will rise up and they will bear witness because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is a far greater prophet than Jonah. Jonah went into the belly of the earth for three days, or sorry, uh, the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, but Jesus went into the heart of the earth. He was buried. He was crucified on a cross. In our place condemned, He stood. Can you imagine what love God has for sinners that Jesus was, would run towards the cross 
all through the scriptures. It reminds us that he's a good shepherd and he's looking at the crowds with compassion and saying they're like a sheep without a shepherd. And he runs towards sinners and tax collectors and he wants to see people set free. For Jesus did not come to serve or to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What is that? That he ransomed himself on a cross. He bought us at a price if we are Christians. He paid the penalty of death for you and I on a cross. And then he was put in a tomb and buried three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And if it stayed there, that wouldn't be good news yet. But Jesus, like Jonah, getting spit back up onto dry land, Jesus is raised up unto new life. He is resurrected. And there's no hope for us unless the resurrection really happened. Just as Jonah really was swallowed by a fish, so Jesus really was raised from the dead for you and me and for our justification before God. There's no other way for you to be right before God than to be right by trusting in Jesus Christ. There's no other savior or prophet who will come to deal with your heart. Jonah was a sinful prophet who had a lot of flaws. Jesus was a sinless prophet who laid down his life a glorious sacrifice. Jonah had to be forced to come to Nineveh by the sovereign hand of God. Jesus willingly went to the cross for you and me out of love. Greater love has no one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. And Jesus, brothers and sisters, laid down his life for you. Jesus poured out his blood for you. Jesus' body was broken for you. Jesus' life was resurrected for you. And there is no hope for you beyond the grave. There is no hope for you even in this pandemic if Jesus didn't come out of the grave. But behold, what is the angel's testimony shouting like a trumpet? He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And just as surely as Jonah came out of the belly of the fish, Jesus is raised up. And that makes all the difference, my friends. That makes all the difference for you and me. Will you come to him? Will you rejoice in that great salvation? Will you know the good news can break into your hearts and bring life and help and encouragement? Do you feel weighed down by your sin? Do you feel like one who doesn't have a relationship with God? Come, behold the sign of Jonah and know you can be forgiven. Know you can get help. Know you can get rescue because you're not just floundering in the waters helpless. But one has come to help you. One has come to save you if you will believe. If you will receive the sign of Jonah and believe Jesus is Lord and he came to save sinners. That's the message of Jonah to us. That's the hope. If we repent and believe, 
we will be saved. So we've looked high level and we've looked at a microscope and we've beheld the gospel according to Jonah. And now I, I just want to think through a couple questions, a couple questions to help us dial this in a little bit. What are we trusting in today, brothers and sisters? What are we looking to for our hope? You may be in a desperate situation right now. You may be crushed in spirit. But please know, there's been one crushed to set you free. Please know that there is a king. His name is Jesus. And he went to a cross mercifully for you and I, if we will believe. He was tempted at all points. He's better than Jonah. He's not a fallible prophet. He's a sinless prophet. He's not a, low, he's not a, uh, a king who is, is coming, trumpeting himself and puffed up and doesn't serve anybody. He lays himself out on a cross servant-heartedly. And then he's exalted by God as he rescues people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And listen, our job as Christians is to take his message to the world and watch it get flipped upside down. So maybe the pandemic is flipping the world upside down. I'd like to see Jesus declared as King and Lord and Savior as sinners flip the world upside down. And surely God can work in the middle of a pandemic. Please know that the, that the fields are ripe for harvest. And perhaps even you have come in today and you're not right with God. Perhaps you realize even now that I've been running, that I have not been seeking God, that I have not given Him thanks, that I have turned away, that my throat's like an open grave, and that there is no fear of God before my eyes. But please know, there's hope for you if you will turn to the sun. What if today was your last day on earth what will you do with Jesus? Will you come and behold our wondrous Savior? Will you come and believe on Him? Will you look to Jonah and be helped to look to Jesus because He is a powerful Savior and He will not turn away any who come to Him. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've been justified by his blood, much more we have been saved from him by the wrath or from the wrath of God. Jesus was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And the Bible says he's the propitiation for our sins. That means he's a wrath-bearing substitute. He takes the wrath of God you rightly deserve on himself. And if you believe, he will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will make you new. He's the one who touched the leper and the leper was clean. 
He's the one who walked on water and defied nature because He's the Lord of nature. He's the one who looked at demons and cast them out. And He said that if He's able to do that, behold, the finger of God has come upon you. And the reality of the kingdom has dawned. And so please know that this great Savior, He is calling His sheep to Himself. And He says, My sheep know My voice and they hear Me and they follow. Will you believe? And if you are a sheep, oh, glory in the Gospel according to Jonah. Our sin needs His grace. And our grace is lavished upon us by our Heavenly Father through His Son. And it is a perfect salvation. And if you will take and eat, if you will come and believe, you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, I do thank You for this book. It is such a blessing to us. And I pray that we would be helped by this Word. That You would have worked the Word of God into our hearts and sown fresh seeds of faith that will grow up and mature us and strengthen us and encourage us to take the message of Jonah which is ultimately the message of the Gospel into this world. And I pray, Father, that if there are those here or who are listening online who realize today they've been running from God. They've been hardening themselves in sin. And they know that the Spirit of God is calling them to repent. They know that the voice of Christ is saying, believe on me and you will be saved. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in their hearts and lead them to the rest and the forgiveness and the peace that they can have only in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen.